Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good afternoon. Please have a seat. We're about ready to get started. My name is John, and I'm a recovering sexaholic and a recovering alcoholic. Hey, John. Hi. By the grace of God, and prior to the fellowship of uh, S programs, I got sober in 1973 from my sex addiction, um, three years after entering AA and staying sober from my alcoholism. I concluded a reign of terror that I didn't know was sex addiction. It was called womanizing at the time. Sorry. It was called womanizing at the time. I went to my first AA meeting, and um, the second AA meeting I went to, I heard, under every skirt there's a slip, and I didn't really pay attention, and I should have. I've been sober since 1977 for my sex addiction, and for that I am truly grateful and I think so are a lot of other people. Um, I am joined uh, with my co-facilitator, who will introduce herself. Hi, I'm Elaine, a recovering sex sexaholic. How are you? Hi. You want to and I got sober in 2003. The name of this meeting is Working the Steps on Relationships. And I've got some stuff to read before Elaine uh, qualifies. Please take a moment to silence all electronic devices. If you need to use yours during the meeting, please take it outside. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity. Things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This meeting is being recorded in the spirit of the 12th tradition to carry the message. This recorder will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone, which will be placed in front of Elaine when, you're, when we call up folks to join us in the sharing, we will be moving to the left, and you'll take the seat um, where Elaine is sitting. If you <clears throat> wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. We are going to share for about seven minutes each, and then we're going to take the floor, uh, turn the floor over to you guys. Okay. Hi again. Hi, everybody. Uh, I am so glad that I made a, I prayed to God about an hour and a half ago for a second wind, and I got it, so I am so grateful because I was crashing. Um, this topic is really interesting to me in terms of the 12 steps, using the 12 steps in relationships. Um, 
quickly to just give you some background information. I grew up in a home uh, with two alcoholic parents, as well as a father who was a undiagnosed sex addict. Uh, the house, the environment was one of a great deal of childhood abuse and neglect, uh, certainly addiction. It's important because what came out of that was, for me, a great deal of unhealthy behaviors, what we would refer to as character defects. And the most significant that I think I want to talk about today, they're not my only ones, unfortunately, but the most significant that I think applies to... <laughs> Uh, the Lane's father is here and is doing that. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. <laughs> We're going to tell the story anyway. <laughs> um, most significant that apply to this topic have to do with, I guess, three of them. Uh, one is self-reliance to a fault. I mean, really to a fault. So just rely on yourself. That's all you're supposed to do. That was one of the defects of character that I came uh, out of this household uh, environment from. The other was to just pretend and pretend well. And while you're pretending, make sure you keep a lot of secrets. Don't tell anybody what's going on outside. That was well modeled for me and my family. And uh, I quickly figured out as a child that that works well. You know, you don't want people knowing what's going on. And then the last one was uh, to blame others for the quality of my own life. You know, do not take responsibility. And those are pretty significant unhealthy behaviors. So I get into the 12-step ro uh, recovery rooms. The first ones I went into was to get figure out how to get my parents to stop drinking. It was not the SA program. And so my whole uh, focus was just about how can I get them uh, sober, like I said. And it was not about me and my recovery. But I was really, st I really stumbled because the first word in the 12 steps is the word we. I mean, I got stuck at the first word, we. <laughs> I was like, no, I. <laughs> and it was really hard because, you know, I had lived my life up to that point thinking that I had to stay in control of everything and everybody uh, as best I could because that's the only way to stay safe. So that didn't work. Um, the other defects of character that I mentioned is, for instance, blaming others for the quality of my life. Well, working the 12 steps in relationships, it doesn't fare well if all of your focus is outside to, yeah, maybe I've got some problems, but you are certainly worse than I am you know, which is what my, my uh, focus was. And then also what I talked about with the pretending and the secrets, uh, that led to, in terms of how it ties into my uh, sexual addiction, is that led to me justifying keeping a secret in terms of my betrayal in my marriage to John for many, many years. And it was not that I support that, think it's right or anything like that, but I thought, it's not something that you should share. You're getting away with it, Elaine. And unfortunately, I didn't even share that with my sponsor. Instead, I went to a priest, and the priest said, take it to your grave. And it was interesting because the truth was, I knew that was the wrong suggestion the minute he said it, but it was like, yes, 
you know, as in relief, you know, not yes as in right, but yes as in relief. And thankfully, because God is bigger than I am always in my life, that's not the way the story ended. And I did end up disclosing to John. Um, the ways that I, hi- I hid with the 12 steps, another way that's really key, uh, again, tie it into what I shared about my defects, is that um, it talked about tell your sponsor, tell your sponsor, tell your sponsor. And I was terrified of intimacy, you know. So John would want to be intimate, and I'm talking about emotional intimacy right now, and connect and get to know who I am. And it was like, no, no, we're not doing that. And so I could twist what I would hear from some people in the rooms, which was basically to um, just tell your sponsor. And as long as you just tell your sponsor, you don't have to tell your spouse. And I got very sick with that. That is not a healthy way for me. So I'm just putting that out there for you. And it really was a good place for me to hide and to get less healthy rather than more healthy uh, in the recovery program. So what's different today? Um, I was thinking, what is the best way I can say this in a significant way and quickly since we have very little time? And I think the most important that I wanted to convey is that I've come to understand that I deserve to be known by my husband and by the loved ones in my life. And that's really important because when growing up the way that I did, I didn't feel that way. There was nothing of value for you to really know about me. Um, And so that's really important and that I really deserve to know John. And from that change in a significant belief, uh, it encourages me to be transparent and to be vulnerable with him. And one of the ways that daily that we do together is uh, I do my own uh, reading, spiritual reading, recovery reading every day. So does John. We do our own journaling and then spend time reading our journal entries and praying together every day. When you read your journal entries, if you choose to do that with your spouse, you're really known (laughs) or you get to be really known. But what is beautiful about it is let's say I write something in the morning and I'm troubled or I'm anxious by something. John knows me and maybe about three o'clock in the afternoon, he might say to me, you know, how is such and such going for you today? You know, I didn't really want to be that transparent with anybody. That was not a feeling of safety. And the gratitude I have today for the 12 steps in my relationships, whether it's with John, whether it's with other loved ones or people in my life, is that it's really okay and it's welcomed to be transparent and to be vulnerable. And the steps really show you how to do that. So thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you. I can't add, so hold on a second. Thanks. I didn't really do very well in math. Anybody who knows me knows that. Got sober when I was 18, and got sober primarily because I couldn't stop my mother from crying. I had promised her and my God that I was never going to be like uh, the alcoholic my old man was, and I failed. Um, I failed in every way. I remember one of the worst beatings I got from my father was the day I decided I was going to end the anxiety in the room when he ordered me to get him a beer. 
by standing up and saying no, and then when he challenged uh, the authority from which I uh, made that decision, I said, get it yourself. You're nothing but a drunken um, womanizer. I used another word that's not appropriate for this room. Um, you know what it is now. And my father was 6'3 and weighed 330 pounds, and that was going to be a bad night. Uh, really going to be a bad night, but I didn't really care. I, I was certain that he was what was wrong with my life. And it was just going to be a few short years later, maybe three, where I was going to do the same things my father had done that I swore I was never going to do, never, ever going to do. Um, got sober because, I, as I said, I couldn't stop my mother from crying. Had, my, had I known what I know today about mental health, I would have never gone and gotten sober because my mother's depressed and she was never going to stop crying. Um, <laughs> Um, and she's Italian, which means she was never going to stop crying in two, in two different languages. Yes, I know. Um, and, but I, I went to meetings, and, and I, I didn't really work the steps. I studied the steps. I studied the steps because I wanted people to say, you're so young and you're so wise. And all I ever wanted to be was an old-timer. Um, it's... <laughs> It, it, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I'm telling you, um, I've been sober 46 years, and along with being an old timer, you get to be old, and <laughs> and I, that wasn't a part of the picture. I the picture I wanted was, wow, did you hear him? He was awesome, and so that's why I studied the literature so people, uh, primarily women, would find me awesome at meetings. Um, I wasn't so interested in the guys. Uh, <laughs> The average age in AA at the time was about 60 years old. I was 18. Um, the old timers were saying, I spilled more than you drank. Why don't you go out and get yourself a story? I would come back with, um, you spilled more than I drank because you're a slob. And, and I was always playing, always playing, always angling. Um, the second meeting, as I told you, said under every skirt there's a slip, and I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't pay attention to it because women and relationships and romance were going to be my next drug of choice. I'd given up um, marijuana. I had given up Southern Comfort and Everclear, which my, was my primary drug of choice. Um, and I'd given up devil dogs. And um, <laughs> I wasn't giving up women. And as an 18-year-old guy with a long ponytail, if you can imagine that, um, <laughs> Uh, it was pretty, pretty easy. It was like shooting fish in the barrel. Um, so for about three and a half years of what was a reign of terror for me, um, I was to find out that I had the same problem I had called my, called my father out on. Um, but there was no name for it. There was no S fellowship. And so um, I started um, working from a six-step model to address um, what was wrong with me. And it was called womanizing. And um, me and a bunch of guys at the Providence Diner um, would meet at a special table, the cool guys table. Um, no one ever wants to admit that they have a special table, but we had a special table. And it was called an Underhunkers Anonymous meeting. Um, for those of you who don't know what a hunk is, you probably never fantasized about being one. If 
you know what a hunk is. It was like, God, everybody's got to want the hunk. And in order to sit at this special table, you had to say, the only person who ever thought I was a hunk was my mother. And... (laughs) And so this was the beginning of us, me and a bunch of other guys doing something about what was wrong with us when it came to women. I had this really awesome program. I could work the steps in, in every aspect of my life, primarily because I only had two. I had the first step and I had part of the 12th step. I left out the having had a spiritual awakening part. Um, and I pretty much stuck to carrying the message to other alcoholics. And so I was one of New Jersey's first two-step commandos. <laughs> and um, it didn't go well. Um, before I was to crash and burn, a lot of people were going to get hurt. Elaine and I sometimes joke when we're speaking at uh, couples meetings about the fact that uh, – it seems as though God in his infinite wisdom brought us together so that we would stop hurting other people. Um, and not necessarily because we were good for each other. In actuality, uh, we became very good for each other. I grew up in a 12 step environment that said, uh, you don't work with family because you can't work with family. And that's not true. Um, and it doesn't really say that anywhere. Um, I grew up in a 12-step program that says stay on your own side of the street, uh, stay out of your partner's program, and it doesn't say that anywhere in the big book except for where it's referring to not taking uh, somebody else's position about what their ninth step ought to be. Um, But I was working this program, I thought, and working the steps and not really getting relief. And it wasn't until um, Elaine and I were to encounter in a scene I can't describe, um, but we encountered the people who sexually abused her, and she had a pretty significant um, post-traumatic experience that resided, resulted in her biting a hole in my arm. Um, it, it was bad, and I knew it was bad, and I knew she had a bad backstory that night. And I went to talk to the guys in my fellowship, and they said, Stay out of her program, mind your own business. Sounds like a kook, and you probably ought to leave her, but mind your own business. Um, and I'm here to tell you that they were wrong. Um, I should not have minded my own business. I think if I love somebody, I am willing to get involved in their recovery, if they'll have me. Um, Elaine told you briefly that she disclosed to me, it was Christmas morning, I don't remember how many years ago, um, 16 or 17, something like that, that 27 years before in her marriage, she had um, been unfaithful to me. And I was devastated. And what we relied on were the memories, thank you, because um, um, it's coming back, uh, what we relied on were the memories of the step work that we had done together. We did third steps together. We had done four steps together. We had done six and seven steps together. Um, we had spent 27 years in our marriage uh, working the program to the point where our kids played growing, going to an AA meeting in the backyard uh, on, <laughs> on the swings. So it was in every aspect of our life. Uh, yeah, it was cute, cute as heck. Sean turning to Chris saying, you got your big book. I meet you at the diner. <laughs> Our neighbors weren't so sure about all that. Um, it was as shameful then uh, to be an alcoholic as it can sometimes today to be a sex addict. But um, our kids grew up in a recovering home, 
yet there was still one secret that was not going to make its way to the surface and was nearly going to kill my wife and nearly going to kill our relationship. And I'll tell you, that morning when I felt betrayed by God for what I believe was him using me to get this secret out of her and her for having uh, lied to me for 27 years, the only thing I trusted were the steps we had followed that had gotten us to that point. I didn't trust her. Um, I didn't have much uh, connection to God. I trusted the steps. Uh, we're going to turn it over to you. But the first thing, the, what I want to end with is by telling you my belief, and it's just mine, that there is a lot of value in sponsorship and anniversaries are great. And you get up and everybody claps and they hug your coin and they pass it on. It's an awesome thing. But there is no program without the 12 steps. Um, 13 times in the big book, the author takes us back to, and here are the steps we follow, which are suggested as a program of recovery. So what Elaine and I did for three months was to work the steps more diligently, more thoroughly in our life, uh, what amounted to a three-month-long disclosure. Um, and when when we meet other couples in recovery and we say to them, don't be afraid, we're not going to ask you to do anything we haven't done ourselves. <laughs> we usually add the caveat that, that that could mean a lot of stuff. Um, so thank you for letting me uh, share the down and dirty version. Elaine's got an announcement to read before we turn the mic over to you. Okay. All right, here are the guidelines for sharing at this meeting. If you would like to share, please come up ahead of your turn. Make a line by sitting in the assigned sheet, uh, chairs up front. When it's your turn to share, please speak clearly so that everyone can hear you. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. This emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and the 12 traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting inappropriately explicit or is focusing excessively on the problem rather than the solution, they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. Although this is an anonymous meeting, please remember that anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. The state of New Jersey has specific regulations that mandate specific behaviors to be reported. Please be mindful of what you share, not to break your own or another member's anonymity. Uh, we do have a timekeeper, uh, and we're going to ask people to keep their shares, if they could, to two minutes. Where's our timekeeper? Okay. She's going to throw something at you when your time is up. A bottle, yes. <laughs> and feel to share how you feel about that when she has. Hi, my name is Chris, great for recovering sex addict. Um, thank you so much for the shares. Um, I especially appreciate the uh, the comment about um, not staying on your own side of the street because I've heard that many times in, in many meetings. And um, uh, thankfully, my wife and I have chosen not to follow that uh, guidance. And it has been um, a very, very good thing for us um, and for my recovery especially. Uh, we uh, have chosen to, to make um, – 
my recovery from sex addiction, uh, a joint struggle that we, we both are engaged and involved in every single day. Uh, I check in with my, my wife at the end of every day. She knows my actions, my thoughts, my struggles uh, every single day. And what she's seen over the last year and a half that I've been sober is those struggles have gotten less and less and less and less because when you bring it out into the light, shame loses its power over you. And that constant discipline of sharing with her every single day has made me realize that my actions today, I'm going to share with her tonight. And that makes me think long and hard about everything I do every single minute because I want to honor her and I want to honor our marriage. And um, that's my encouragement for, for everyone in this program is, is uh, involve your spouse in your recovery because uh, it builds trust. It's not always easy. Some of the conversations we have every night are not always fun. But she knows that I am I'm struggling and, and that I am being honest with her. And for that, she's very appreciative. And she's told me recently, thank you, that she now, after a year and a half in recovery, she has the marriage that she always dreamed that she would. And that's really uh, all I could ask for. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Hi, I'm Beth. I'm actually an Essanon and sex and love addict. Um, my husband is also a sex addict. And um, it's a little emotional day today. Bear with me. Um, we've been legally separated for about a year. Uh, we've been best friends for about 26 years, together for 18 and married for 14. And... Um, Several years ago, I heard about Essanon, but I had told my husband that it was his problem, that none of this was my problem. And um, after recovery from drugs and alcohol and now <laughs> sex and love addiction, um, it is my problem too. And I think that the biggest thing that has helped us, we are better friends now and co-parents than we have ever been. And it's understanding that it's not just my problem. It's not just his problem. It's our problem. And that we came from this function and we can accept each other. And we've worked another program that looks at the hole we've both been trying to fill. And uh, I think that's saving our relationship. I don't know if we'll ever be together as a married couple again, but I love him more than ever. And I think he loves me more. And we are much more connected um, because we're open and honest and when we're not totally honest, we get honest. And um, I don't know, I guess leaving it to our higher power. So uh, just wanted to share that. I've heard a lot of Essanons say that it was their problem. It's not. It's it's our problem. There's a reason we all attract each other. So <laughs> equal sides. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, my name's Angie. I'm a recovering sexaholic. I am so joyful to be here. For me, working the steps, um, I'm powerless over lust, and I'm powerless over my husband and his decisions, and I cannot control, fix, or manage 
his decisions. So when I use step one, basically for everything, every day, life is good. I have serenity when I give up. And I'm not going to say that it's easy, but I am a lot better at it. And I know that just like a practicing addict, the more I practice my steps, the better I become in my recovery. Um, some of the things that I do with the steps is, you know, I have to look a lot at step four. What's my part? And is it just fear or is it pride or is it my self-esteem? What do I need to look at in this relationship to keep my relationship working and moving forward? Another thing that I have learned is um, I don't have to be right. Um, I don't want to be right. I want to be happy. And also to be able to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It was not my intention to hurt you. And to be open and honest about that. As a sexaholic, coming out of isolation and being able to communicate is huge for me. I grew up in a family where you don't talk, you don't touch, you don't feel, you don't communicate. Everything goes under the rug. It's a, it's nothing's happening. Everything's great. And so for me to, um, learn this new way of life of the 12 steps, I am so grateful and I am so thankful and I love my program. And uh, thanks for being here. Thank you. Uh, by the way, I am the guy that she's powerless over. <laughs> uh, working the steps is, uh, oh, hi, I'm Kevin. I'm a proud member of the SNR group. Thank you. Um, once again, uh, I, I think step four is where I have the most difficulty uh, when I really want to go back to see where I was hardwired as a child, uh, as I heard earlier, you know, I go back to where shame says you are a mistake. And then after that, it, it, shame is a birthplace for perfection. Shame is a birthplace for perfection. One step farther, pride, selfishness, ego. That's all. That's that's where I went. Um, you know, my pride and my selfishness. You know, I would kick things out of the park. Control, manage, fix. I am a fixer-upper to the nth degree. Control, manage. I wouldn't let nothing in. I had so many shields around me. It was unbelievable. So every time now, when I see serenity is uh, leaving my space, I pray about it. I tried to go back and do my fourth step inventory and find out exactly where it's coming from and preferably go back to where I was hardwired to really try and have a true understanding why I'm acting the way I am. And uh, I'm thankful to be here and thankful for the SNL program. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Jim. I'm a sexaholic. And what I want to share is a matter of life and death for me, and I don't know, it might be a matter of life and death for someone else, so I feel compelled to share it. Thank you for the lead. But um, sometimes the people who I want to work on my relationships with want to work with me on it, and sometimes the people I want to work on my relationship with don't want to work with me on it. And for me, whichever way it is, I need to go back to the steps regardless, because my sex addiction is not the only thing that I put my life in danger for. When I'm angry, I rage like a lunatic. 
and nothing will get in my way. And when I'm lustful, I lust like a lunatic and nothing will get in my way. And in both of those behaviors, I could have and should have died. And there's other behaviors. So if I'm angry and I'm not living in the steps, then the first words out of my mouth is going to be, what the hell is wrong with you? And if I'm living in the steps, then I go to page 84 in the big book and the first words out of my mouth should be, God, I'm resentful. Please take away this resentment. And then I quickly find someone to talk to about it depending on where I'm at that day. Maybe it will be in a fourth-step model. Maybe it will be in a tenth-step model. And, and it, all, it all depends on how I'm doing. If the people who I want to work on are willing to work with me, then we'll do it together. And that's a beautiful thing. And if they're not, then my step work is, like someone said, I'm powerless over this. Someone said at a meeting this week, uh, and I've never heard it before, and I loved it, they said, there's three things I'm powerless over. I'm powerless over the past, I'm powerless over the truth, and I'm powerless over other people. You know, and that struck me because it was something new for me, and it really does nail down the things I'm powerless over. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't try. It doesn't mean I can't go to my wife and say, you know, this is this, I'm I'm worried about you. You know, this happened with you and the kids, and 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 if I do it with God, someone once told me that the delivery will go well, and if I'm being selfish, the delivery will suck. <laughs> And uh, I'm very grateful to the people who have guided me in that direction. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, I'm Chaim. I'm a sexaholic. Wow, Um, this meeting means a lot to me. I appreciate the shares. It literally... um, this is my life today. This is my program. Um, me and my wife, um, together, we, we live a shared recovery. And in the beginning, it was very important for me um, to remember that I heard her in a, such a devastating way. She's really not interested in what I have to say right now. And she's not interested in me telling her where I'm holding in lust. She just is not interested. She's thinking whether she wants to be in this marriage. Once I really cleaned my side of the street and made myself safe enough where she asked for me to become again part of her life, that's when we started to do shared recovery. In the beginning, it was so needed for her to heal for the devastation that I caused her. And it was important for my sponsor to constantly knock into my head, you know, she, she has a cold, you know. You have cancer. You know, she's coming with a little, you know, she's, she, she's upset at you. She's angry. She's not being thoughtful. Um, you left the house and she's thinking maybe you're sleeping with someone. And it was so important for me to really work on that. Today I'm grateful I could share with her, she could share with me. It was so emotional for me to watch when, you know, you, you guys shared and, you know, Elaine, you put your hand on, on John. It was, um, I remember when that, when it was told to me, you know, just, just put your hand on, you know, just, just hold each other, love each other. I mean, you're married. Like, we could, <laughs> we could... We could actually talk to each other about sex today, you know? We could actually talk to each other about anything today. 
And one last thing quickly I'll say, um, it hit me, um, I knocked on my kid's door the other day and they said, um, we're in the middle of a meeting, you can't come in. <laughs> and um, when you said that, it was, it was literally adorable, you know, I wanted to get in, like what's going on in there, you know. And um, that's the joy, that's, that's um, if we caused each other so, if I caused her so much pain, shouldn't I bring so much joy today? And um, we do it today. That's it, I got things. If your kids don't want to let you in, slip a dollar under <laughs> <laughs> My name's Nick, and I'm a sexaholic. I'm, I'm a little abashed at, at, that uh, my wife and I don't work uh, are programmed together, um, uh, but we both work a program. She's an AA, and I'm an, an, an SA. And uh, and the way I see it is that my sexaholism, my acting out, my chasing other women, my masturbating, all that other sort of stuff, is a huge created a huge problem in our relationship. But my stopping that doesn't cure our relationship that just takes away <laughs> the sort of like you know the fog of war from the really problematic behaviors that i have my judgmentalism my 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 anger my insensitivity my selfishness all those other character defects that's where my 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 program resides and where i need to work on it with my wife um for my wife um what Working the steps of my relationship means to me is is doing a living amends, a ninth step, being the husband she thought she had for all those years, um, and doing a regular tenth step, keeping things clean, keeping things absolutely clean. When when you know when I snap at her, when I make some snippy remark, when I give her the bit of the frosty treatment. I, I need to own up to that and and clear it up right away. Or when she does something, and I think she, it's her fault, I need to take a look at that and figure out. Well, well, what did you do that brought that on, Nick? And clean that up. And when I do that, gee, life is pretty easy. It works, and our relationship is better than it's ever been in, in the past. Um, even though we don't sit down and do the steps together, but she, but I see the steps in her life. I see her, um, I see her program in her relationship with me. Thank you, and I see my, I see my program uh, affecting our relationship together. And I'm so grateful for the twelve steps as a program of of, of life to create a, a new possibility for our relationship. And I'm delighted to see your relationship, Elaine and John. Thanks. Easier to be up here looking out there than it is for you to. <laughs> You're welcome to come up by yourself. You don't have to bring your partner with you. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I hate silence. <laughs> My name is Yitzhak. I'm a gratefully recovering sex addict. I want to thank you both for your share. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, I've learned so much here today. And uh, one of the things I want to share, which I think has 
meant so much to me in my journey with my wife and our shared recovery, which is all not what I would like it to be at, but we're on the journey, and that's what I think is most important. What I have realized is uh, that idea that it all starts with me. I'm the sex addict. I'm the one that needs to change things. I'm the one that needs to make it right. I find that if I take that step in opening up with my wife, sharing what's going on inside of me, sharing my struggles, sharing my challenges, sharing my steps, sharing the work I'm doing, then she will reciprocate. It comes natural. Recovery runs, recovery rubs off, uh, spirituality rubs off. You want to get sober, you stick with the winners. Those are the lines that we hear. You want to have a good relationship with your spouse in recovery and be able to work the 12 steps. Find out from people that are actually doing it and talk to those people. Don't talk to the people that are not, that don't have what you want. You talk to the people that have what you want. And those are the kind of things that we need to do in order to really have that kind of recovery. I have a hard time doing it some days. Some days it's easier than others. But one day at a time, I keep coming back. I keep on trying to work the steps. I keep on trying to just take that first step. If there's something going on with me and my wife where I'm upset, she's upset, we are both very good at looking at the other person and waiting for the other person to take that first action. And what I really need to do is just say, and pray to my higher power, just remove this entitlement and this resentment and just allow me to be of service. And the way I can be of service is by just open, opening up a dialogue for conversation and just communicating about what's going on inside of me without talking about what might be going on inside of her. Thanks, Flame Michelle. Thank you. Well, talk about a journey, getting through all those people. <laughs> Hi, my name is Annie. And I'm really grateful for uh, you know, this program and the fact that uh, sex addiction was really a gift because it really changed uh, our marriage and changed our relationship. Uh, you know, I have the luxury of uh, being an addict and being in two other 12-step programs, which helped me understand that my husband's addiction was a disease. You know, that uh, took a while, believe me, to, to, uh, to get that past all the anger and the betrayal and all the other feelings that us <clears throat> SNON people can understand. And, um, you know, so we, um, we also have a shared program of recovery. Uh, sometimes we do a lot of things together for our recovery, and sometimes we, you know, can tend to isolate. Um, but today, my, uh, desire is to uh, live in 10, 11, and 12. You know, I try to make that amend as soon as possible when my behavior <clears throat> is hurtful or uh, disregarding. And the um, <clears throat> uh, prayer and meditation, 
you know, it's it's been hit or miss over the years. Um, but recently, dealing with anxiety, I've tried to really focus on meditating every day and trying to clear my mind and pay attention to the recovery that is going on in our home. And uh, then, of course, there's step 12, you know, where it talks about um, and helping other uh, sex addicts. And uh, so we, you know, we do try to help each other. But, you know, Living with another person in recovery has a lot of advantages, but don't give me a slogan when something's going on. <laughs> you know, there, there's nothing that riles me up more than just like flinging out, of, uh, flinging out a slogan. Um, and then I say, that diminishes what I'm saying. That's dismissive. And, uh, you know, so we have to talk some more about that issue. Um, but, you know, having, you know, uh, meeting in the... Meeting in the middle of that street at time and what was that? She's gonna throw the bottle at you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The time's almost up. Okay. Oh, she's the timer. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what did you think? You had a heckler? I, I thought maybe I was saying something inappropriate. You know, raise your hand. <clears throat> Thank you for letting me share. Raise your hand quietly. I don't know who came up with that, but it's, it's like weird. I, I want to share uh, one final uh, story that um, brings home the power of um, the work uh, we've been privileged to do together uh, in our marriage. Um, Elaine goes off to a facility at the end of our three-month um, time in our living room couch, uh, doing our step work together. And she uh, is going through some pretty heavy trauma work from the sexual abuses she endured. And um, uh, she calls me up for the day before the last day. And she says, I can tell they're getting ready to come after me. Um, I hope I can make it under the radar. Um, I said a few choice words and suggested that either I was not going to be home when she came home from Arizona or she should live someplace else. And what I wanted to, what I was saying to her was, that's the problem. I don't want to be a part of the problem anymore. If that's your solution to the problem, to add another problem of hiding, we already did that. Uh, then she goes through the experience, calls me back that day and is crying out of control, had some really rough stuff she dealt with uh, in the therapy group. And she said, but I'm mostly calling because I saw the therapist walk into the dining room and I wanted to go flirt with him. And I totally got that. I totally understood that. Um, that's giving me an opportunity to be a part of the solution. I wasn't angry at all. I understood that she was objectifying him. I had done that plenty. Um, but now she's sharing the story with me, and now I can be a part of the solution rather than waiting for the bomb to drop. Uh, thank you for letting me share that extra thought. Elaine? Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody, for participating and for just being here.
In closing, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember that we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. The shares we have heard here were told in confidence. Please do not repeat what you have heard about another member to anyone who was not actually here at this meeting at the time that it was shared. Please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. here. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Grab a hand if you choose. Close with the serenity prayer. We're going to close in a second with the serenity prayer. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.